Hi, everybody. Back for number three of our business chat with Adam Daniel. Absolute pleasure to be joined by this absolute legend when it comes to talking about all things business within the fitness industry. So if you didn't catch the first and second episode, I suggest you have a look at those and the links will be linked to this. So, Adam, thank you for joining us back again. Number three, we've got lots to cover, right? Indeed, that's why we're doing multiple I guess issues or issues is not the right word videos let's call it of this because we've got so much to talk about and it was quite interesting wasn't it at we were obviously got together a little bit at elevate last week and i know this will be going out in a few weeks time so i guess a few weeks ago we got together at elevate and the the conversation of business within health and fitness for for group x and personal trainers in particular was actually quite a prominent conversation wasn't it? i mean you and i were involved in a few little mini group discussions just moving around the floor as it were and so i think as an industry, we're becoming more and more aware that business or business skills, let's call them, are so important for Group X, for personal trainers, for health and fitness experts to really grow their business and, and truly understand them. So I think what we're doing here is is really invaluable, personally. Absolutely. I would agree. And it's always lovely to chat to you. So that's brilliant. So we're going to be covering a couple of things. We're going to be looking at how you can grow your uh, community and also to master your sort of mindset. Um, two very key things. I, I think a lot of the time when people enter into this industry or been in it for uh, a long time, they may have some skills that come very naturally to them. But across this series, we've been looking at it in a very holistic way. So there's gonna be something that everyone's gonna be able to take away from this. And I know um, as, a, as a top educator that you are, Adam, you make it very digestible, but simply inspirational. So, well, you know, I've said that's what you're going to do. So you're going to have to jolly well do it. Pressure's on you. (laughs) Always the pressure's on you. I'm expecting a lot. So let's talk about growing your community. And just before we popped on um, the record button, we actually discussed that we would break this down into two bits. Do you want to fire away with what those two parts are about growing your community sure i think community is certainly a word that's been used a lot i would suggest post sort of covid post pandemic people talk about growing communities and i think it's a very important part to grow a business personally and with that comes i guess some perceptions of what a community is so i think what today we're going to do is we're going to delve into growing a community maybe for your business yet what would be useful i think is to talk about networks as well because a community ultimately is a network mm-hmm. and i think historically the word net or the phrase networking has been frowned upon by a lot of people or they see it as a oh, i don't i don't want to network it's a bit cheesy it's a bit false it's not a bit of me those kind of things come into it which will link into the mindset that we'll, we'll talk about as well because that's about you're already telling yourself the sort of person you aren't or you are and so, yeah, so I think it's, it's really going to be quite useful to explore what a community is, yet also how you can grow your networks, or I like to use the word nurture your networks to your advantage so that you can actually call upon the right people at the right time. So there's a little bit of a difference between a community and a network, yet community, I would suggest, sits within your network. And so we'll explore the difference between the two and how you can maximize both. Brilliant. Okay, so I, I always think of um, myself as um, someone who's quite naturally good at networking, all right? But I think I'm quite introverted or ambivert, right? So I'm not 
you know, I, I do come across as quite sort of some, sometimes gregarious and friendly and, and stuff like that. And I think I think why that sometimes happens to me is because I'm really passionate about what I do. And of course, when we're talking about community or a network, we're talking about similar things, aren't we? So, you know, it's likely if you're networking with somebody, they're going to you, you, you may be quite aligned on the subjects or topics you cover. So. I, I was one of those people, Adam, that thought the word networking sounded very, very cheesy. It sounded like I had to, you know, get in a suit and be shaking a lot of people's hands and present, you know, what my business was. I, I, I think we're going to break down some barriers of what actually networking looks and feels like. Um, and, and I think what, we, what I sort of said earlier is that there are some things that we are naturally very good at. Um, you know, I think if you said, go and network just about anything I don't know that I would be brilliant about it but if you ask me to build a community around something I love and talk to people about the things that I'm really passionate about they come easily to me so I think what we want to do is um sort of I guess encourage people to look at networking as not as that sort of contrived cheesy kind of thing so let's break it down then how would you define the difference between community and network those two things Good question. And I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to rewind a little bit. So a couple of things you said a moment ago, which really interested me. And the first thing which you said, you considered yourself an introvert and ambivert. And it's almost as though there's an, an implication that means you can't network or you can't network in, in a, an environment you're not familiar with. And it's, it's interesting and maybe just useful for people watching to define introvert versus extrovert and what that means because a lot of people make the assumption that an introvert is someone who doesn't like to talk doesn't like to engage i make probably 78 percent of my living these days standing in front of groups of people and some of those people are extremely influential successful people in the in business world and i am i believe by by nature an introvert so people sort of think oh that's really weird if you make your living from talking yet you'll find a lot of the world's best speakers are actually introverts and that's the first thing to be aware of is that just because you you might class or deem yourself as introvert doesn't mean you can't speak to people what it means is how you regain your energy to speak to people and so what we know from the evidence and the research is that an introvert is actually someone who recovers by being by themselves so for me if I am delivering all day, the, the worst case scenario is if someone, if someone in the group of that I'm delivering to, especially if I don't know them, says, let's go, do you want to come for a drink with us? Now, professionally, it could be great for networking because that takes it to the next level possibly. However, for my energy, it's the worst thing I do. If someone says, let's go for a drink or do you want to join us for dinner after a whole day, day of education or running a workshop? My inside, my heart goes, really? And my face goes, I've got to make a decision here of how I'm going to connect with these people. So yeah, so I'm kind of digressing and going to some stuff I'll go into later. Yeah, this idea of introvert, extrovert is that ultimately it's about how you regain your energy. So if you're spending, giving your energy to people throughout the day, which is as a fitness industry is pretty much what we do, how do you recover? How do you regain the energy to go again the following day? So if you enjoy long walks in the countryside by yourself, if you, if you enjoy getting home and just chilling out and having some me time, 
then you're probably more introverted. If you enjoy being around people, so if someone says to you, let's go to the pub or let's go for dinner or, or let's go and play five-a-side football after a long day of, of, of work or giving your energy to people and you go and you think that's brilliant, you're probably more extroverted. I'm making some big generalizations there. Yeah, I think that's probably quite a good way to set the tone for this conversation because then you can start to think, okay, how do I make these decisions based upon how I feel? And knowing how you get your energy might influence how you then build communities or network. Sure. I really love that you say that, actually, because, um, you know, it, I think a lot of people can think I, I, I can't do it because I'm naturally shy or I don't want to be the loudest person in the room. But you, it, you're absolutely right, isn't it, about an extrovert gets their energy by being around other people don't they and you and I perhaps need to retreat and take time out for ourselves re-energize and stuff like that but I think what I felt um you know when I was younger and stuff starting the business was I, I, I didn't think I could tackle it you know and you're absolutely right so long as we are being resourceful, you know, being sensible with our energy and how we give it out, we can really truly connect with people. And I would suggest that actually, if you are more introverted, maybe you know how to connect with people on a level that really works well and effectively for them. So I'm coming back then, going to nail you on this one, difference between community and network. Okay. So community, I would suggest the way that it's looked at currently is very much about a group of people coming together for the same purpose. And so that's what we talk about. So we talk about the fitness community. So we are a community of people that are like-minded, have similar beliefs and values, and we all pretty much want to get the same thing out of it. We want, we want to help other people be healthier, happier, move better, maybe be lighter, whatever it might be. So we have similar aspirations for others. So it's a community is generally like minded people coming together. And I would suggest at particular times as well. So a community isn't necessarily something that is constant. A community can ebb and flow. And I think that's important to differentiate, whereas I think a network is very much, a, I believe anyway, for it to be a constant thing. So your community might ebb and flow. So if you own, if you maybe run an outdoor bootcamp business for example that community will ebb and flow because you have new members you have people who will just naturally leave for whatever reason and therefore that community of people is people who enjoy coming together to achieve a common goal is how i would describe a community yeah love that so network describe that for me so so network that dirty word as it were that the people have for many years and i think back in the 80s, 90s, and back, which is before some, some people listen to before they're born probably, and early 2000s, the idea of networking events was a very big thing. And, and they still exist. So when I had my gym, I went to multiple networking events to, to meet new business owners. Some of them were brilliant, some of them less so. So I think networking, my, my take on networking, it's almost like connecting as well. So it's about connecting people. And you and I, we, we, it's something we've, we've spoken about at length. We're both quite good connectors. We, we enjoy as well, it's important. We enjoy connecting our networks together. So, so Malcolm Gladwell talks a lot about it in, in his book. In, I think it's Outliers, it was a current which book it was. So this idea of a connector. And I, I've certainly seen myself like that. It's ultimately, you're connected to so many different networks 
that you kind of know everyone and somehow you can connect people to help them move forwards. So for me, the idea of a network is, is about a group of using, using is probably the wrong word there, is about amplifying the knowledge of people that you know to help you or your business grow. Yes. And I, I believe that both community and network help build and support a business, right? Okay. Um, and for me, I created, because obviously I, I started in group fitness, I recognized community as being very key for the experience as well. It wasn't just me teaching one person. So I had to, I heard you say about nurturing your network, but I actually had to nurture my community. And, you know, whilst I heard you say about community having a similar goal, you know, they might all be coming to a class, you know, uh, a theme, but they may have slightly different, you know, experiences of exercise. Some might be new, some might be a bit resistant. Some might be, you know, the people on the front row um, who are your, I guess, the biggest fans of that session. And what my job I felt was to try and create community in each of those sessions. And then that builds out a bigger community and stuff. So just in the experience the community so that it didn't feel like there was just a whole set of individual people mm. but they were kind of uniting and I think that's a really really important thing that you recognize the individual but you you build something I, I don't know sort of almost bigger than just the individual and I think that can be easily achieved in group exercise I think it can be also really neglected because it's an assumed thing that you're rocking up so you want to be part of a group and actually some people are you know almost left out on the sidelines and some of the things I would do in those situations was connect people you know like you said you're a connector so I you know introduce this person to this person and not just be at the front of the class you know neglecting them and stuff so community is really for me very much about connection so and I, I just jump in there, Teresa, because I think the word you use, unity, is a lovely word. And I think that describes it really well. It unifies people. And that's what a community does. It, it unifies people, again, to that, towards that common vision, that common goal. Mm. And I mean, I mean, if we look at the world of health and fitness, there is, when you talk about community, there has to be one brand. I mean, there's, there's probably two, but there's, there's one one brand that really jumps out for me about community and they've built a multi-billion pound or dollar business out of that and that's crossfit and i know people have their their thoughts and feelings around crossfit yet the one thing you can't fault crossfit for is how they've built an amazing community of like-minded people they've unified people of all ages sexes abilities even though it's quite a an elite event let's call it or training process you actually have multiple people of different abilities unified towards a common goal. And that could be doing the workout of the day. It could be doing Murph. It could be training for the CrossFit Games. And, and they've done that amazingly well because they have made sure they connected with people on each and every level. Yeah. And community is so, so important for us, isn't it, as individuals? And actually quite neglected. Let's Let's remember... You know, um, just a few years ago, we were very individualized, weren't we? We were separated. And, and you know, um, I think that, you know, for some people like me, I work at home, you know, and a lot of people are continuing to do that work. You can be quite, 
you know, on, on your own and stuff like that. So I think wherever we can create community, that's always going to help engagement, isn't it? And it's, it's, it's bigger than just what, they, you know, say, for example, the session they're in. It's a bigger social thing that's very, very important. It's, it's ultimately a sense of belonging. That's what a community comes down to. And that's something we know through evolution that we've wanted to be part of. We've evolved as tribes and we've evolved in helping each other within those tribes. And we want to please people as well. Psychologists call it normative conformity. This idea that when we're in this tribe, we want to make each other happy, we want to please people, which can be good and sometimes not so good for various reasons. Yet this is the idea of belonging. And there's a book called Belonging by Owen Eastwood, who's worked with England football and all sorts of amazing teams. And he, he talks or he, he delves into the sense of belonging from the Pacific Islands, the New Zealanders. Uh, if I get the, the word right, there's a phrase called Wahapa, probably pronounced it wrong. And again, it's, it's kind of your story, your what's your purpose, what's your sense of belonging? And that's what, again, if you've ever watched rugby, I mean, you, you do, I, I believe anyway, certainly see a, a sense of belonging more so in a lot of the the Pacific Island teams because they understand where they come from and what it means to them. And that's now what you see in a lot of sports teams. They try and find their wahapa, their sense of belonging, their purpose, their meaning, their story, the us story. And I think, and I'm going quite a little bit deeper there, yet I think if you have a fitness business, finding out your story of why you've created that business and then you bring your community into that story and create and make them part of that story becomes really powerful and then they feel a sense of belonging which is exactly what crossfit did they started off ex-servicemen training running up a hill training out in a barn and they had their story their us story and then they brought people on their journey with them or adventure with them and it grew and people felt a sense of belonging even though they weren't necessarily ex-military so I think anyone who's growing a fitness business is first of all, it's about understanding your story. Why did you start the business? What does it mean to you? What's your vision, your purpose? Why do you want to bring people into it? Then you bring people into it. Then you make them part of or invite them to be part of that story. And then they have a sense of belonging. And when someone has a sense of belonging, guess what they're less likely to do? Disappear. Yeah, go away you're more likely to keep them in that business for longer or part of that community for longer. So belonging is becoming a very powerful, or sense of belonging is becoming a very powerful tool now to retain clients, members, communities. Yeah, um, and that sense of belonging is very important, isn't it? It goes against the idea of fitting in. I'm a, you know, I'm a bit of a Brené Brown fan, right? So she talks about uh, belonging and not fitting in so where I talked about unifying it's not about squashing the individual it's respecting their individuality isn't it and you can do that you know if there's a common purpose but still you know maintaining recognizing them as individuals and catering for them so growing your community we've looked um, at community what what sort of things do you think that actually you can do if you think I don't know you're you're struggling to get people to be part of your community what are some top tips that you would would give somebody who's that rec, who's recognizing i need to create that and there's a bit of a struggle there or it's not quite working for me what are some tips you'd give them for community i think one of the first ones would be i'm sure you've already got people even though it might not be the number of people you want you must have people in your community already whether it be three four five people 
And so speak to them, find out, ask them why why did they want to be part of your community? What made them sign up to your boot camp, to your group X class, to your small group training, whatever it might be, is use your community to understand the why. Because yeah. you don't you don't you'll never know truly why someone's joined your community unless you ask them. So I think that's the first thing. And we don't do that often enough. And I, I'd say in general we don't. We, we think we know why people have joined us. They might go, oh, because it's the price, because it's the time, it's the location. Yet, until you physically say, right, hey, Teresa, can I just ask, what what made you join this community of like-minded people who want to train? And then you, once you understand their whys, you can then make a, maybe a few assumptions along the way that, okay, this is how I need to attract people. It's This is this is how my maybe my message, my marketing needs to to be delivered based upon the community or the community aspect that they've spoken about. So I think that that's the first thing. And I think the other thing as well is just being, the next thing I think it's creating and using a word that's very popular in the world of, in, in the business world or phrase, sorry, is this idea of psychological safety. And I think that's really important in building communities and for people to have a sense of belonging is that they need to feel safe in that space. So even if they're having a bad day, they can turn up and they can have their session, they can do the class and not feel judged. If they're feeling, or if they feel like they're not in the word, the phrase you use, if they don't feel like they can fit in, they, they walk into that room, they walk into that park and all of a sudden they just feel like they belong. So mm. the challenge there is to create a space that people feel able to do that. And so there's this idea of psychological safety so again if you want to research anyone wants to research that the the woman behind psychological safety she's been researching for now pushing 30 years i think it is is amy edmondson and she's got a brilliant book called fearless organizations i would definitely just maybe google her she's got some ted talks etc and it will give you some ideas of how you might be able to build psychological safety and ultimately though it's about building trust that's mm-hmm. the that's the one thing that people want so if you have any kind of fitness business that involves building community, people have to trust you. So that comes down to empathetic listening, compassionate listening, asking intuitive types type questions, having high integrity. Integrity for me, by the way, my definition is doing the right thing when no one's watching. So it's things like that that will drive a community because they will then go, this person is committed to us and what we're about so i guess those would be my top tips for building community yeah love that trust is so very very important isn't it 100 percent um and i i think where a lot of people come into this um industry is they they have a lot of passion Mm -hmm. you know and sometimes you can be a little bit startled that it's not just that that's needed you know i love doing what i do but people aren't necessarily rocking up for me and I think creating a safe space is fundamental like you know if somebody comes into a session one of my sessions it's all about sort of celebrating them and uh, enabling them to have the best session that they can have in that moment so I recognize the differences between people so I might sort of say to one one you know to all of them you know for some of you you might be here you know, some people like to completely beast themselves, don't they? And I recognise some people here for a really hard workout. And for some of you, it will just be about feeling like you've got some movement through your body and we're all going to celebrate our differences and stuff like that. So it's, it's you can be professional 
without um uh, and i don't know degrading or, or uh, making someone feel like they're not fitting in or keeping up you can actually um like you say create this safe space so they can turn up one day you know almost as one a version of themselves and the next day turn up as a different version and you, they know you've got their back regardless not when they're in their best performing you know mode i know you've worked with a lot of athletes and sometimes it's not always going great for people so if they know that you've got their back given whatever then you know that's that's going to be a safe space isn't it really important. i think it's also knowing or identifying when when they're they're having the challenges and it's having those check-ins whether it be each session whether it's a monthly check-in somehow with people and just going okay how are you today what's going on and and remembering that everyone is human everyone has good days bad days everyone feels feels good sometimes everyone feels fat on some days everyone feels fit on some days whatever it might be and it's just recognize that everyone is human and having the ability to check in with that person and go hey is everything okay with you what's going on i noticed that maybe you didn't weren't giving you usual energy to kind of just make sure all is okay and it's that idea that when we build when we when, again it comes back to the sense of belonging it comes back to community and building that that safe space is just them knowing that if something isn't right they can come to you and say hey Teresa, you know what I'm not feeling 100 percent today for these reasons so i'm just going to be at the back doing my thing so don't mind me and I'd prefer it if you didn't shout me out or call me out for for, for today because you know what I, I'm just not in that space today however I want to get my workout done and it's ha- being able to have that confidence with your community to have that sort of confidence in and have that safe space so yeah I think safe space is paramount to to building a community where everyone just feels welcomed and feels they can be themselves which is a hard thing to do in the fitness industry because people put labels on themselves of how they should be how they shouldn't be when they arrive at a session absolutely absolutely um coming back to something you said earlier which was about using um your group you said it in a much nicer way than that i emphasize the word using but you said about asking them you know asking uh, questions of them and and I, i totally get that i think sometimes we think that we should know it all but actually we can dig deeper, can't we, and get some answers that are really, really valuable to them. Um, let's not forget, coming back to the trust, the safe space, you being brilliant, all the skills that you've said, community talks about community. Um, and rather than you having to say, oh, you know, bring five buddies along, they won't be able to help, say, about the experience they're having. So I would imagine that the community would grow um, as a result of, of of what you're what you know the experience you're giving them and stuff. So I mean, let's... just quickly jump in there, and I think I, th- I think you're about to move on. Or maybe I could be wrong. I think you're about to move on. So before you do, <laughs> let me wrap up this idea of community with a quote, and Please. hopefully I get it right. And uh, Teresa, have you you've come across Maya Angelou, the American poet? Yes. Yeah. So, and I can't remember if I've used this on a different one of our other talks. I can't remember. However, it just fits with everything. I, I really, truly believe this in our industry in particular. And so going back to community, and, and she has the, the quote, which goes along the lines of, and forgive me if I don't get it quite right, along the lines of, people won't remember how you make the, or, sorry, people won't remember what you do. People won't remember what you say. People will only remember how you make them feel. And that's what being a part of community is about. It's about walking away feeling a bit special. 
I love it. And it's funny, you, you saying it, I can totally hear her, her voice, you know, hear her voice that's saying it. So amazing. Let's think about network. So this idea of growing network, you recognise, you know, you're a good connector. Um, so where, where does somebody even start with building their network? You know, uh, we can assume that people who have been in the industry as long as us have got a massive network, but they may not do. You know, we equally somebody new into the industry we can imagine they've got a small network but they may have already got a massive network so let's let's just start with the basics how on earth do you start networking with people and nurturing your network where do you start with it going back to something you said at the very start was this idea of being an introvert and talking to people's not something you enjoy doing that's what you have to do so again it's about reframing things i would suggest it's about if this isn't about networking this is about getting to know people mm. and that's the first thing about networking it's just you have to get comfortable talking to people and asking questions it's as simple as that and yeah. i think some something for me when it comes to networking and this is how i've i like to think i've built my network over the years is i always build a relationship and one of the first questions once i've got to know the person introductions all that stuff one of the first questions i have or offer to someone is how can i help you what can i do for you so is there anyone in my network that i can introduce you to is there anything that i'm currently doing that interests you how can i help you grow develop emerge from whatever it is you're doing and i think that's the key thing so people in the past, historically, I've thought this idea of networking is cheesy, it's it's all false, etc. Well, it can, it can be 100%. However, if you're genuine with your approach and you truly want to build your network, for me, it's about what can I give them? How mm. can I show that I really do want to be part of their network or their, their, to be part of, of what they're trying to achieve? So that's the first thing I do is that once I've got to know the person, whether that's five minutes, five days, five weeks, the question is right how can i help you what can my network do for you what can my business do for you what can my knowledge do for you and then it's, it's that idea again it's first going back to stephen stephen covey's seven habits it's this idea of seek first to understand then be understood understand that person get to know them and then you can share and influence your thoughts and ideas yeah one of the things that i feel I missed networking for all those years ago was superficial chat mm. and I am not a fan of super, superficial chit chat you know oh, da, 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 da. I mean you know me I'm I think I'm quite a jolly person and you know seem a little bit excitable and bubbly but there's there's depth I don't want to have I don't want to have those superficial chats where it's just like oh isn't the weather lovely I, they 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 really drain me. And I worked out that I connected so much better with my community when I got to know them and my network when I actually got to know them. And I heard you were asking questions. You were saying I'm, you're about you getting to know them, listening, really, truly listening and then offering up your services effectively not just sitting there talking to 20 people showing up and having these very superficial chats. I think for some people, maybe they recognize that's how they have to go into a conversation. But I recognized I, if I stayed at that level, well, first of all, it would not 
sit comfortably with me. But I recognize that I connected with people better when I really tried to actually attempt the connection rather than just let's all be in this room together sort of chatting you know about really nothing you know and so how do you sort of start a conversation you know if you if both you and I have recognized ourselves as introverts some people who are introverted may feel a bit shy doesn't necessarily mean that is the case so how how do you go into a networking event you've said You've gone in. What's, what's let's, a starter? Let's, so you use the phrase networking event. Let's use elevator as the example. So for us, this was a week ago. For you listening, it could be whenever. Now, you wouldn't necessarily think of, well, not everyone would think of something like Elevate, UK's largest fitness, what's the, te- I don't know if expo is the right word. I'm not sure what Lucy would, would it technically call it. Not many people see it as a networking event. For me, that's every conference, expo, education course I've been to since I was 22 years old, I see as a networking event and I have done. There are people that I did, so I remember 24 years old, I did the first ever Paul Check golf biomechanics course in the UK, seven days away at David Lloyd in Eastbourne and there was about 11 of us on the course. I still speak to, not regularly, I still speak to probably six or seven of those people on that, who were on that course from 20 odd years ago. For me, every opportunity to connect with someone is the ability to, to, is creating your network or enhancing your network. So going back to your question, I was on the train with a friend of mine and she doesn't often go to these sorts of events. So she was going to elevate, we went up together last week and we're sat on the train and she actually really surprised me with this question. She said, Adam, what's your, what's your, purpose for this for the next two days now i have that i do think about that i didn't expect her to have thought of that so i wouldn't never ever ask the question it really surprised me which was brilliant and i said oh okay so will you tell me yours first she said so i want to connect with these two people that i'm going there i've met them online is to connect with them i want to go and see this person over here and i want to go to these three talks so a lot of people go to events educate courses expos conferences with no real outcome in mind. And she had a very clear, she was going for one day to elevate. She was, she was very clear on what she wanted to get from her experience there. And I think that's the first thing. So even before you get to the conversation, it's identifying who do you want to talk to? So networking, I went to perform X in March. I think it was, I pretty much had one sole purpose. I wanted to speak to sit or to sit in on Suzanne Soberg's talk. And I then wanted to introduce myself to her afterwards to build, bring her into my network for various reasons. I achieved that. Anything else was a bonus. So that was my outcome. So that was how I, I built it. So I've, I've now got her within my network for, for business purposes. Now, I would suggest any network event, however you want to label that conference, whatever, as we said, have an outcome. Maybe even if you do find it challenging, set like you would set your, or you would, you would help your clients set goals, set yourself a little goal. If you're going to an elevate style event, how many new people do you want to meet? Five. Okay, great. How are you going to do that? And then work backwards. Like it's like any 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 goal setting. What's your target? And then work your way backwards so you then have a starting point and what's your first point of action. And so yeah, have an outcome is the first thing to have that conversation. So. I went to Elevate, there was a few people I wanted to talk to. For me, it was a little bit more of a, a little bit of socializing in there as well. So there was nothing too concrete. There was probably three or four 
conversations I wanted to have. So I think, and for my friend, she achieved what she wanted to achieve. She's, she met these people, grew her network, which is going to enhance her business. So I think the first thing is when you go to, and we're going to use that word loosely, a networking event, that could be anything from a course, a workshop, an expo. It could be an official networking event is what do you want to achieve from it? Mm-hmm. That could be anything. I want to go and meet this particular business to introduce my business to them. It could be I want to speak to, I just want to speak to three new people and see if I can help them anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think it's having clear objectives of what you want to achieve. Otherwise, it goes back to your point, Teresa, you're just going to have pointless chit chat, which while sometimes that can be beneficial because sometimes those conversations might be really good. You never know. However, if you are on a tight schedule or it's only an hour long, you want to come away knowing, going, okay, that was beneficial. That was worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I'd written down a list of everybody I wanted to connect with yeah. at Elevate. I think it was quite a long list. You were on that list. I'm glad to hear. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you whether you were first or last. Doesn't matter. You were definitely on my list. But Absolutely. I did. I wrote it down. And, and actually afterwards, there was a few people that I didn't connect with. And I, I messaged all of them and, you know, checked in. You know, these were loose arrangements. Um, and, you know, check in and maybe one said, oh, I was unwell, didn't make it. But at least they now know I've connected with them and recognise that they weren't there. So, yeah, so absolutely. That comes back to this idea of nurturing your network. So once you start to build your network, maybe you've gone to various events, you've got people, you've connected. And, and in this day and age, it's a lot easier as well. I mean, you think, well, I started growing my network and I still have people from when I very first started. Okay, here you go. Here's a perfect example. First person I spoke to Elevate was my the boss of my second ever gym job. (laughs) And he's worked in industry still. So I I was a gym supervisor of a private gym near where I live. He was, it was a brand new gym, million pound build, which 20 odd years ago was a lot of money, still is. And he was the the center manager. We've obviously gone off in different directions, whatnot. And we've reconnected recently over the last few years. He's come, we've kind of our paths have crossed. Literally, I was standing there, I just walked through, I was saying goodbye to my friend as she went off, the one I went up with, and he walked through the door. We had a good chat. He's now an MD of a new chain of gyms, franchisees, and I'm going to go and see one of their new gyms in, in Wimbledon, launching in July, and they've got a paddle court there, so we're going to go and play paddle. Now, that might turn into some, some work, it might not. The point is, we don't necessarily have to connect every year, every two years. When we do connect, I make a point of it. So I, so actually, I don't know if you'll be able to see it. And then going back to your, your point, how do you do it? You won't be able to see the whole thing. I might have, del- yeah, have deleted it. So I have a list of, on my phone, on my notes at the end of the day, or whenever I had a, a, a chance to, I make a note of who I spoke to, what it was about, and what my commitment to them was. So for him, I wrote a note saying, who it was, who he's working for currently. And I said, and it was to email him to arrange a visit to see the new site in Wimbledon and maybe a game of paddle. And so now that's in my actions to do this week. There's no rush to do it because there isn't, it's not critical. Yeah, I'll reconnect. So there's probably about 10 actions I had from Elevate to work on, build, grow, grow, nurture my network. So I think that's really important. I can't remember that. So we're talking about sort of growing over time. So in this day and age, a little bit easier with social media, LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera. So it makes things a lot easier. So what I would say is when you nurture your network is just check in with people. And it doesn't have to be anything more than a, 
Hey, Teresa, no, we're not spoken for a few months. Just thought I'd see how stuff's going at FitPro. Yes. Anything, anything, anything that could benefit any sort of information, any news, any exciting news that you think I might find interesting. It could yeah. be as simple as that. And you do, if you do that with X number of people every few months, then you're just nurturing that network, staying in touch with them. So when something does come up and you might go, ah, oh, Adam reached out to me the other day. I want to talk to him about X. I want to get my webcast. You're always at the front of their mind. This is it about staying there, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about mastering growth mindset. Before I do that, sorry for your big intro. The last thing I'm going to say, I didn't realize you're going quite into growth mindset yet. The last thing I say about networks. Mm -hmm. So there's a book called Act Like a Leader, Think Like a Leader, Act Like a Leader by Hermina Ibarra. And she's from, I think it's London School of Economics. So she's an academic, yet she's written some brilliant books. And she, in this book, think like, act like a leader, think like a leader, is this idea. She talks a lot about creating networks. And I took, I read this book maybe four years or so ago. And I've taken this, this specific part of growing nurturing my networks from her book. And it's really helped me. Is I've actually now taken my network and I now have three networks within my network. So I have my operational network, I have my personal network, and I have my strategic network. So my operational network is my group of people that day to day I might need to speak to if something, I need some help on something. So it could be, I don't know, I'm writing a new educational program for a training provider and I need some advice on how to get it accredited. So I might phone up or email X person because I know that's what they specialize in. So that'd be my day-to-day stuff. So I've got my operational and I have my list of people. And then I've got my personal development. So these are the people that can help me grow in some way, shape or form. Also people I enjoy being around. So that's my personal growth and development network. I then have my strategic network. My strategic network is those people that I might connect with less frequently, yet when I do, it's because I've got a problem that I want solving or I need help solving or it's, it's something that I want to do differently or change, or maybe I've got a business idea. It's someone who I might go to, right, you're the person I need to talk to. I've got this idea. I need to bring it to fruition. How do you, how can I do that? I'd love your help on that. So it's more strategic, long-term thinking, bigger picture, blue sky thinking type thing. So I have three very specific networks and some of those, some people are all across, I don't think I've got anyone across all three, but I do have people across two. So I know very clearly who I can call upon at whatever time I need need some help and support. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the when you're saying that about communities and and networking and stuff, and you and I are connectors, right? I'm I'm really surprised actually. Um, even though there's this common goal and we assume that everybody knows what everyone else is doing, it does require some people to plug in this network with that network doesn't it I couldn't believe it how many people I was like oh do you know that they're doing this and this person's doing that and plugging them together and then that's only going to be better isn't it for our industry and and kind of you know our whole network and And yeah I mean the more you understand your network as well the better you can connect so yes we both connected each other with new people at Elevate so I connected you with someone who's I actually only I only actually got to know in the last two years and we're starting to do some work together 
And it turns out, I mean, she knows everyone that I know. And I don't know how we've never connected. And and I connected you with her in a, in a chance meeting and I followed up with an email to connect the two of you. And she's pretty likely to do some stuff for a webcast, et cetera, for you, I have no doubt. And then on the floor, we, we you were uh, talking to someone and when I approached you and you introduced me and that could lead to some work for me. So that's the beauty when you, when you, and this kind of comes back to the whole point of having a genuine network, not just a, hey, this is Teresa, she works for FitPro. This is a, this is Teresa. This is what she does for FitPro. She's a great person. She's genuine. And this is how she can help you. And that's ultimately how you introduced me to this person. Yes. How I introduced you to that person. We're saying, this isn't just this Teresa. This is, she's, I trust her. I value her. And this is how she can help you. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. And um, it, is, it is that, you know, because I don't just want to connect people because it reflects on me as well. Because if I if I put you in touch with somebody and I go, what the hell? That wasn't a good connection. Uh, so I'm only going to plug people together because I know my networks well. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, I love that. Am I allowed to go on to uh, how to grow um, I'll your... I'll stop talking about networks. Then. No, 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 I love it. I love it. I just, um, I'm just thinking I want to learn about mastering this growth mindset. Can I ask, when we're talking about that, what is a growth mindset? Do you know, I think the best place to start is what is the opposite of a growth mindset? Perfect. Can you answer that? You closed, closed, um, Ooh, uh, close, close, right, closed, um, fixed. fixed. So yeah, the, the technical yes. phrase, the phrase that gets used is fixed mindset. I think that's the thing. So even at the start of today's conversation, there was almost that glimmer of a fixed mindset when you said, I'm an introvert. I don't really like networking. That's a fixed mindset. That's a great example of it. You didn't quite use those words. I'm putting a few words in your extra words in your mouth there. That would be a fixed mindset. I'm an introvert. I don't like networking. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean moving forward in terms of, of your development, your business? What's that going to mean? If you have that belief, and that's all it is, is a belief that you're an introvert and you're of a fixed mindset, therefore a fixed mindset because you, you can't network. What's that going to mean to your business? And growing, is it? It's just not growing. to go anywhere. Yes. And when it does grow, it's probably be probably more by chance than actual strategy or, or using your network. So a fixed mindset is when you have a belief that, it's fixed i.e you believe you can't change it mm. why i don't like particularly using things like introvert extrovert because then people label themselves yes i'm an introvert i'm an extrovert which means x y and z no it doesn't it's just how you get your energy and it's absolutely anything you want so that's in essence the difference between a fixed and a growth fixed is i'm an introvert i can't network a growth mindset is i'm an introvert which means i have to work harder and networking and this is how i'm going to do it okay so i.e fixed is a belief that is unlikely to change unless the environment changes a growth mindset is someone who believes they can always learn they can always change they can always grow regardless of the environment and the situation 100 yes okay so that yeah. that would be a definition now if you want a more scientific definition the person to go to is carol dweck that's spelled D-W-E-C-K. She, I guess, probably became famous, I think, around 2010-ish, 2012, with her TED Talk. So I think it's now one of the most 
popular TED Talks of all times, tens and tens of millions. So the easiest way to get a better idea of a growth mindset is, is go and watch her TED Talk, which is brilliant. She also has a book called Mindset. Very good book as well. Because if you're working with people and I'm making the assumption that everyone watching this works in health and fitness in some way, shape or form, is you will come across fixed and growth mindset people every day in what you do. That could be within your organization, within your business, i.e. people you work with, and more likely than not, your clients and your members and the people that come to your classes, your sessions. There'll be plenty of people there with both fixed and growth. And the better you can understand them or what that is, the more likely you are to help them move from a fixed to a growth mindset. And something to be aware of as well is that a fixed and growth mindset can be situational. So what I mean by that is you could have a fixed mindset in with regards to networking. However, when it comes to learning, you can have a growth mindset. You could be like, you know what? I don't know enough about this. So I'm going to go on a course to learn more. That's a growth mindset versus I don't know about that. And I don't know how to learn about that. Mm-hmm. So it can be situational. It doesn't mean you have a, if you have a growth mindset, you're not always going to be a growth mindset for everything. It's probably quite unlikely, in fact. However, probably the things you're passionate about, you might be a bit more growth orientated too. So that is initially how I would define a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sort of reflecting on, um, you know, my own journey a little bit as you're saying that. And I'm just thinking, you know, I, I'm, I'm lucky that I've been exposed to lots of things, which has meant that I, I believe um, on the whole, you know, there's sort of that growth mindset now and I recognize my strengths and things that, you know, when I was saying about introvert and stuff like that, um, sort of using that as an example of why some people might excuse themselves and go, well, I can't do it because I'm introverted and stuff like that. My actual personal experience is now, even if I am labeling myself as somebody who likes to, you know, withdraw to restore energy is actually those sort of conversations and networking with people are the things that make me flourish and thrive, which is in a way sounds opposite Mm. of what an introvert would like. And tougher, deeper conversations connecting are the things that drive me forwards. Like massively, the other day I was, I just had this most wonderful situation. Some people probably think this is awful, but um, I used to um, do voluntary work in end of life care which I absolutely adored. And a gentleman came over to me the other day and he said, are you the lady that used to do end of life care? And I went, yeah. And he said, my wife died this morning. And and then we just had this most amazing conversation all about this, what most people would never want to talk about. We don't talk about these things. I can't tell you how good I felt for having that depth of conversation and connection. So where I used to be, which is, oh, let's talk superficially because I'm a bit shy and that's the way I do it. I now worked out over a long time that the deeper conversations, more tough conversations actually truly, you know, that, um, you know, when you're talking about really, truly listening to somebody, that's where I truly thrive. I've had 30 years to work on that and a hell of a lot of therapy. And, you know, so there's been a lot of stuff to help me there. So I love the fact that you're giving you know, book suggestions and actual strategies, because I didn't, I didn't know any of this stuff 30 years ago when I started. I've been lucky enough to stumble through with my own growth. So this growth mindset, I think if people can 
take that on. I think the theory people go, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. But it's really being able to implement that, isn't it? Because we can be so fixed and so closed because we don't, you know, we don't think we can or we think we're stepping out of our lane or whatever. But we have to really truly recognize that nurturing our business is going to take some effort. Um, and, and and deep diving into how we truly, you know, need to need to work on things and stuff like that. So you've kind of defined what you think is, you know, the opposite, which is this closed um, mindset. And now we're looking at what a growth mindset is and that, yes, it can be situational. And perhaps, you know, um, there's times that you're better at it than others. But what we said is that we're going to look at mastering a growth mindset. So we better look at how we're going to master it. Okay, so kind of just building a little bit upon what you said about being a business now i would think a lot of people listening to this are probably self-employed for some capacity mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i again making a bit of an assumption there's probably quite a few people watching this probably have played sports at some point in their life and i think that those two things go hand in hand with a growth mindset from my, my personal experience having been in a high level of sport most of my life and and being self-employed for 20 years, 22 years, is you kind of have to, well, you've got two options. You either have a fixed mindset and you basically don't succeed in your sporting career and you don't have a successful business or you adapt. And that's in essence what a growth mindset is. How do you adapt? So anyone that has a a business that is their own and they're self-employed or they have a small number of people working for them, I would suggest if it's doing well, you have a growth mindset because you're learning how to adapt. For those people that are struggling with their business or even in, in sport, it's probably because you're a bit fixed towards how you approach things. So how do you actually master a growth mindset? Well, there's a few things. The first thing is, how do I word it? The first thing is moving away from fear of failure. The one thing that holds most people back and prevents them from having a growth mindset is fear of failure. So the actual study that Carol Dweck did was actually on like young children, I think eight, nine year olds, 10 year olds. And Again, probably better to to listen to her or read the book than me because I might get a few little bits wrong. Yet the reality was that the the concept of growth mindset and how she kind of got into this 10, 15 years ago was that she studied children. And the reality was she gave them puzzles. And what she did was the the children that, that struggled with the puzzles were the ones that she found and the ones that they were, they were given encouragement, i.e. they weren't told that they were good, that they were brilliant. They were told, oh, that was a good effort. Keep trying. How can you do this differently? Yet maybe didn't quite get the puzzle. They would be the ones that would say, can, what puzzle can my, can you tell me what puzzle my mum and dad need to buy me so I can do more of it so I can become better? The children that were given the easier puzzles and, and did them really quickly, the ones that were then told, well done, congratulations, you're great were the ones that actually struggled with failure later in life. So we have to think about how we look at success, how we talk to ourselves when things don't go right. So the question is, ultimately, there's there's two questions you can ask yourself. So the first thing is, first of all, like I say, it's this idea that failure isn't a bad thing. and, and, And 
if I look back, it, it probably wasn't until my early thirties where I became more comfortable with failing. I struggled with that because of my the school I went to, my sporting career always being pretty good, and and my life was going pretty well. And it wasn't until my thirties when maybe a few things didn't quite go to plan. I, I I was like, okay, what is this idea? It's not something I'd really experienced much of, and so I had to change the way I looked at things because I'd always adapted and changed, and things had worked out. So when you have that that first big failure it's two questions what can i do what can i learn and if you just want to very quickly go from a growth a fixed mindset to a growth mindset and mark begin to master it that's all you need to ask yourself is what do i need to do what do i need to learn and that's going to answer it now easier said than done i get that so it's then the next step is okay well goes back to this whole idea of I'm an introvert, I can't network. It's I'm an introvert, what skills do I need to learn to network better? That's the question you ask yourself. It's look at your clients, I don't have enough time to train. Okay. How can you change that? How can their client change that you need to talk to them? So it might be they might change that into I don't have enough time at the moment to train yet I will work out how I can. So it's about just changing and reframing your approach to things. It's in real simple terms, it's I can't do this yet. Followed by the, what do I need to learn? What do I need to do? So mastering growth mindset is like anything else. It's a habit. Mm -hmm. It doesn't come overnight. It becomes, it's, it's about getting comfortable with failing. And then understanding what you can learn from those failures and then what do you need to put into action to change. And that's that can be a tough journey. Yeah, but the, the word you used is it's a journey, right? It's it's and, and it's ever evolving and you're reflecting back on that all the time, you know, and to, to think that, um, you know, it's not. And also it's not just a switch that suddenly switches on. It's like with anything, these are you know, practice skills and things that you want to be working on. And I think we have to recognize that it's not always just one direction, is it? It can sometimes be like, this is this is pretty tough, you know, because failing for a lot of people can be a real moment. So it might be that you need to retreat, have a little thing and then reflect on it and sit with that discomfort and then grow from that and stuff. But I it's think that's a lovely way you sit with that discomfort. And sometimes we have to do that. To, to appreciate yes. what's just happened yeah and and then it's okay so yeah this isn't comfortable it's not a good place to be so how do i move from this yes yes and i um for my own personal thing i would have wanted to try and maybe fix it and make it instantly um you know let's cover up that it happened so i don't have to think about it or perhaps let's suddenly quickly fix it um flip the coin over and then that's not necessarily the answer either is it you know to to i don't know put a plaster over it or to radically change because it's got to be authentic to you hasn't it any any growth and stuff like that so i know um you are an avid reader of books and you're brilliant because you give you know like recommendations and quotes and stuff and i love good ted talk as well right so what what Obviously, as we talked about this being a journey and you've referred to things that you've read and stuff like that, 
Can I ask, in your journey of growth mindset, have you found it tough yourself? And at those times, have you turned to your network or have you sort mm. of gone to, to, you know, just done the work within yourself? Good question. Obviously, I know you read books and that's very helpful for you, but is there anyone in that network that's supposed yeah, to you? It's a really good question. And I think, first thing, I did use the word journey. I think a better word is adventure. Journey, a journey implies you know where you're going. I have no idea where I'm going. No, that's great. I think an adventure is a bit more, you, you, you kind of have a map. You, you know you kind of want to get over here. You don't really know which route you're going to take to get there. Whereas a journey gives an indication that you're probably going to go this way. I don't know. My, my conversation I earlier today is my, my career, my journey, adventure has, has gone in some very odd directions along the way. And I've worked with organizations and people and companies that... I never set out to, and even even to, to this day. So I think adventure is probably a nicer word to use. I think, or a more more appropriate word to use in this context. So, so the question was, how is how have I used a growth mindset to overcome my challenges in my adventure? Yeah. Is basically the question. I think, yeah. Also, is there anyone that you've kind of not necessarily naming someone, but have you used your network, or has it all been? sort of internalized growth because sometimes I think we can you know reach out to somebody you know that there's a really I don't know mate peer or whatever and it, it can be transformational you know or it might be that you you know I know you love your book so it might be just that that's where you get your you know I think I've my my I've probably the biggest thing that shifted, not the biggest thing, one of the things that I've done in recent years with a growth mindset that's helped with it, so the growth mindset helped me do, mm -hmm. was where I have been self-employed for most of my working life, I have never really had sort of 360s or performance reviews from anyone, i.e., for those who don't, don't know what a 360 or performance review, i.e., an end of the end, I can't forget, what's the word I'm actually looking for? Um, um, no, uh, an appraisal. Appraisal, that's, that's the word. So I've never really had anything like that in my life, ever. So I've never known what I can do better, what my work ons need to be, what my strengths are, etc, etc. So I've kind of always assumed made assumptions and kind of just moved through what I do by learning stuff. When I've not known something, I've gone, yeah, I can do that and then figured out how to do it as I've gone. So that, that's kind of been my approach to things. So my growth mindset has always been a almost a, a yet yeah, I can do attitude, I'll, I'll figure it out as I go as long as it's aligned to my beliefs and values yet what i've begun to do in more recent years is reach out to my network and only maybe 10 people at a time and ultimately ask them to do an appraisal on me because it got to the point where i wanted to truly understand yes you there's loads of psychometric tests that you can do online and, and all that stuff which some of them have good validity others less so they can be good. However, I want to go out to people that have known me for a long time, that have worked with me in different capacities and who I know also going back to that psychological safety and to, to use a phrase that, that Christine Neff, who's like world leading compassion expert uses, I wanted to go to people that would be my loving critics. Mm. I give me the hard stuff because they care. Yes. So I think that the thing I've done with a growth mindset in mind over recent years has sent out five questions to 10 people each year. 
and said, can you answer these questions, please? Because I want to understand myself better from other people's perspective. And because if I, if I always move through life doing what I think is right, doing what I think I need to work on, I'm obviously blinkered, I'm biased. And there's going to be blind spots that I don't see. So I will have questions on there, things like, oh, what are my three great, what do you think are my three greatest strengths? So I can keep enhancing them. Mm. If there was, and I think one of the questions, one of the tough questions, which I've always had some interesting answers back to is, what do people say about me when I'm not in the room? So again, I've got to have trust with the people I'm asking for them to tell me the truth. What if there was, if you were to work with me, what's one thing you'd want me to improve upon? So if I didn't have a growth mindset, I certainly wouldn't be in a place to ask those questions. No, no not at all. And, and so, and I was going to say, add to, add to that, I also, and have done ever since I've worked with PTA Global and was mm-hmm. doing education for PTA Global back in the day, they introduced, Bobby Capuccio in particular, introduced this concept of Kaizen. Japanese for self-improvement and they had a Kaizen form that you would give to your clients which I still do so with my with my one-to-one clients so I will give them every periodically a form to fill in questions uh, basically how I can be a better coach for them so again it's that idea and whilst this idea of growth mindset wasn't really about back then this idea of self kaizen has been around for centuries so it's that it's the same concept it's about how can you continually improve and i think that's really important i was actually running a workshop a corporate workshop the other week and we we're talking about growth mindset and feedback in particular so feedback and growth mindsets all link go hand in hand to an extent and and we're talking about seeking feedback which i was working with some senior lawyers and they found that really odd they said why do you want to seek feedback what well, if it's bad news I said, well, that's how I learn and grow. So yes. after, after I run a workshop, so I've run this program for this, this large organization for their legal team. And I go to their L&D team and say, can we please have a meeting so I can understand, or so you can give me feedback on what went well, what can be improved for next time. And they all find that really odd. These are guys and women, sorry, guys and girls, guys and uh, guys in the context who are on a lot of money, very clever in people. And they found it strange that I was actively seeking feedback that yeah. could be bad. And they said to me, well, what if they turned around and said it was a load of rubbish? I'd say, well, I'd work with them to make sure that it, it was better for next time. And they're like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah. oh. So for me, that growth mindset is always seeking feedback, constant feedback from people who are happy to be your loving critics that will give mm-hmm. you honest answers of those tough questions. Yes, and I can absolutely um uh, back you up on that because i remember when you had done your last webinar you sent me a you know i sent whatsapp to say it was amazing blah, blah, blah. and then you sent a whatsapp that was you know direct like what can i work on and stuff like that and 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 i told you then how refreshing that was to actually to hear you know i i'm i'm very keen on on, on getting feedback again from the people who you know really do have your back yeah. you know the people who want to see growth in you because I think there are some people that would happily squash and there are some people who would happily just pretend and I think you know we have to make sure we're asking the right people okay just real quick on that 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 sort of reminds me yes I do remember sending that that message to you and I think that's the 
the key thing is is just that never resting on your laurels either so having a growth mindset means you know you can always improve so even though i know our conversations go well i could quite happily press stop today and, and off i go and, and not speak about today again however that's not what how i work i could go away from a workshop a program whatever yet it's never knowing knowing that you can always be better that's the key yeah. thing and if you if you know you can always be better that you're going to have that growth mindset you're always going to ask those challenging questions of yourself and those around you uh, yes. which means it's just going to be continual growth yes and it's not just knowing that you can be better but that you truly want to because that's only going to be powerful for the people around you your network and your community i mean it doesn't just pay off for you does it it's it's transformational for everybody in your network circle and community yes um okay i'm mindful of your time um so i'm gonna ask you please if there's any words you want to wrap up about these subjects we've been talking about community and network and then i'd love for you to talk briefly about the summit and your podcast please i think i'm gonna go back to front i think mm -hmm. Growth mindset sets the foundation for everything. We know that from the evidence, we know that from personal experiences, working with clients, etc. It's having that mindset of, I can't do this yet, and just figuring out how you can, what you need to do, what you need to learn. And having that, mastering that growth mindset allows you to then build communities, build build and nurture your networks. So going going back to it, it is it's quite and i know we didn't plan it at all when you said i'm an introvert i don't like networking it's it's exactly that is if you believe that it's that self-fulfilling prophecy that is likely to happen you luck fortunately realized you had to work on it and you worked on it so we could create ourselves a self-fulfilling prophecy i.e if you believe you can't do something then guess what it's not going to happen you won't build a community you won't build a network if you believe you can do build a community, you can build a network, you will go out there and do it. It's never going to be easy. It's never going to be simple. You have to work at it. However, from personal experience and from my friends within the industry, for those that have been in inverted commas successful, I can say to you right now, the reason they have is because of their communities, because of the networks. I mm. truly believe that, I mean, I, I, I was reflecting this the other day, actually, was I first got into presenting. This is why I feel I'm very fond of FitPro because they gave me my first opportunity to present. And in fact, to Elevate, I bumped into someone who was on my first, the first ever workshop that I delivered. I and so for me, I reflect back and I can actually map out everyone that I'm still connected to, that I've worked for in some capacity, that I'm still doing work with and have opportunities with. I can map out probably 70 to 80 percent of them come back to FitPro in some way shape or form mm -hmm. and for me nurturing the network over the years has resulted in me having a, a career that not just within in health and fitness now yet moving into some leadership stuff has evolved has grown excites me every day i wake up still and i still believe strongly believe that it comes from my ability to build a network and I think well, I'd encourage everyone out there, if you don't actively nurture your network, is to start doing it because it's only going to serve you and your business for the better in the future. So you've got a networking, well, not a networking event, but you've got an amazing summit coming up where people could do some networking. Hey, so 
let's hear about that and then obviously your podcast Indeed. And in fact, we are going to create space at the event for people to network specifically because we, we had some feedback that there wasn't enough time to connect with people. So we've decided this year to find space or create space so people can have it. We're going to do almost like a speed dating thing around yeah. how can you connect with people. So, yeah, so to, to again, just to practice what I preach, I've got feedback. I've taken it on board. I'm changing stuff growth mindset so yes it's the fifth year now i co-own event we've changed the name this year to the natural health and movement summit alongside two very good friends both of whom i met through fitpro james earls and stephen powell and we have this event together fifth year and it's at the regent's university in the middle of regent's park we have some amazing speakers there we have dr Susanna soberg who you might have recently heard on the Huberman podcast. She's got a book called Winter Swimming. We've got Ollie Patrick, who I connected to you to. Yes. Who's going to be coming on doing webcasts and articles for FitPro as well. Who's doing some amazing stuff around stress and understanding the new science of stress. We've got Jane Baker, who's an amazing foot physio, ankles physio, who's spoken two years ago. Of course, we have James Earls there as well. So we've got some brilliant speakers this year. And I'm assuming because you're watching this, you get the FitPro newsletter. So keep an eye, your eyes peeled because there will be a discount code or a promotional code for FitPro members to attend the event, which is the 7th of October. So put that in your diary and keep your eyes peeled for the FitPro newsletter and further information. Amazing. Amazing. Let's hear about that podcast. And well. yes, I have a podcast which is kind of goes a little bit deeper into everything we've spoken about today yet with people who have done it themselves so it's called the business of pt podcast season two is out very shortly and we have got some again some amazing speakers on there we've got rob solly who is a i guess for want of a better word a, a celebrity trainer we've got richard calendar who again i met through fitpro and viper 2015 uh, odd years ago who's again an amazing pt and has been on tv and done all sorts of great stuff and we've got some brilliant other guests on there coming on there as well so yeah check that out business of pt podcast season one's up out there we've got great leaders from the industry like rob beale we had i forget who was on there bobby capuccio again fit pro friend so some great speakers and ultimately the podcast is all about helping you the listener build a business that is that is robust that is profitable and that you love working on amazing adam thank you very much for your wisdom and sharing it with our amazing community thank you my pleasure it's really, really lovely to hear from you. And um, I always find these chats an absolute pleasure. I know that they will resonate with our audience massively. And um, what I love is that it just comes very, very naturally to you. And I know that you're living and breathing it because there's so many people that are very keen to say what we should do, but not actually doing it and don't have the evidence that it works. But you are living proof that it works. So okay. congratulations okay. to you. No, no, amazing. Um, so this is episode three of four so i'm going to invite everybody listening in to throw fit pro some questions that we will pose to adam in our fourth chat do it okay and um yeah yeah that, i can imagine what they'll come up with so please do reach out to me uh treesa.w at fitpro.com adam i know you've got another appointment we've talked for a long long time so i'm going to enter the recording with a cheesy wave to the community and saying thank you to them for listening in and adam as always thank you so much for sharing your wisdom love it as always Teresa. thank you thanks everybody